what up folks what's going on welcome to the first episode of 2017 episode 64 of the spun today podcast i'm your host tony ortiz thank you very much for listening in this premiere episode of 2017 i speak about and recap ufc 207 i know i know it's been spoken about ad nauseum but here's my take on it anyway and by spoken about ad nauseum i mean within the podcasts and youtube videos and shit like that that i listen to but if you're not into all the stuff that i'm into necessarily or listen to all the things that i listen to then this is this will be a good little recap or feedback on it for you in this episode i also speak about finally finishing season two of mr robot watching two movies snowden and kramer versus kramer i also did some next netflix and chill as the kids are saying these days over the holidays and saw three things colin quinn new york story evolution of hip-hop and the documentary rats actually you know what else i saw i just saw it tonight with my wife uh gaffigan's new new comedy special which is also on netflix it's called cinco uh which is pretty funny so let's start off with that actually because I didn't have it here in the notes. Because I wasn't really expecting to uh, watch it today. I was going to watch it later this week. But we were like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Let's check it out. We like Afghan. Uh We've seen his other specials. At least the ones on Netflix. I think he has like two or three other ones on Netflix. And he's a fucking hilarious comic. He's, I guess, dubbed a clean, quote-unquote, clean comic. Um, and he's just funny. His His, like, inflections and... And he's just a funny dude. He has this long, funny bit about uh, seasons, like weather, you know, like fall, summer, winter, and stuff like that. And it's that was my favorite part of, of the entire special. About how, like, some people, like, love the fall and go by, like, parks and look at the trees and say how beautiful they look with all the changing colors and stuff like that but from the least perspective they're probably like why are these people laughing at me well i'm dying give me some chlorophyll please like i don't know you gotta listen to it i'm not a fucking comic can't do it justice but it's it's he's a funny dude check it out it's called cinco and it is on netflix jim gaffigan is his name if you didn't know him already and definitely check out his his uh, older stuff, too. Um, his specials from, like, 2012, 2014, or something like that. Fucking hilarious. Hot pockets. Um, all right, let's get into some UFC 207. I feel like I'm going to spend a long time on this, but I'm, I have a couple bullet points, and I'm going to do my best not to. Let's start off with the main event and get that out of the way, which was Ronda Rousey versus Amanda Nunes. And it was first off it was sad it was kinda like hard to watch, like sad. Like I, I like Amanda Nunes. Um but you you kinda sorta of want Rhonda or at least for me personally, wanted want Rhonda to to come back and and win, I guess. You know, I was I was rooting for her. I was rooting for Rhonda. And it was 
I at least wanted like a competitive fight, you know. And she, for those of you that don't know, that didn't watch um, UFC 207, Ronda got beat handily by Amanda Nunes, standing up, striking uh, within 48 seconds of the very first round. And it was sad just to see her like that because, you know, she's been on a long time hiatus. She was out for 13 months, if I'm not mistaken, or 400 and something days, something like that. And she lost in spectacular fashion to Holly Holm the last time we saw her to that iconic kick to the head um, that knocked her out. And that was her first loss ever. And after that, she was like on Ellen and talking about committing suicide, which her father, by the way, committed suicide. And she was depressed and she she's always been she's always had like a love hate relationship with the media, like the media made her who she is, you know what I mean? Like covering her and, and bigging her up and stuff like that. And the UFC putting that entire machine uh, promotion behind her. Uh, but she's always kind of been like standoffish and not, and not all the time, but at times she has been. And she was, she kind of played towards like the heel type of persona. Like people like love to hate her type of thing. Um, but she was, she's the fucking man you know, for lack of a better term. Um, she literally created the, the fucking division. Like, literally. There's an interview with Dana White, the president of the UFC, which is the face of the UFC, which is the mouthpiece of the UFC. Um, uh, still now, even though he has uh, much less, um, I guess, like after the $4 billion sale of the company, you know, he has his stake in it. He still stayed on as president, but... Um, it's like not his baby anymore. You know what I mean? Like he's the one that found the UFC, found that uh, the guy that initially had the UFC was one to sell it. He, his boys and grew up with the Fertitta brothers, which owned station casinos and uh, these millionaire cats that got into it with him and said, Hey, you know what? Fuck it. It's a good idea. Let's do it. And they bought the UFC and, and I forget for how much it was, if it was like $2 million or something like that. And they pumped money into it and into it and into it. And they were like in a, I want to say $100 million hole, or maybe it was a $10 million hole, and I'm exaggerating, but they were, like, losing money. Like, it wasn't a smart business decision at that point to keep it going. But, obviously, it panned out because it was the fastest-growing sport in history, and they sold it for $4 billion. Uh, but, yeah, Dana stayed on. And he, there's a famous, you guys could YouTube it. Um, if I remember, I'll put it in the episode notes, but there's a a famous... Uh, like quick TMZ style interview when he's like walking out of a building that they they ask him, hey Dana, when when are we ever gonna ha- uh, when are we gonna see women in the UFC, like fighting in the UFC, and he he said never, um like it, it was like he he was against it, it was like what why are we gonna waste our time and energy with that, and then Ronda Rousey came along, and literally became the face of the UFC before Conor McGregor that most um, casual fans like know know of because of him know of the UFC because of him um there was Ronda Rousey and she was the face and the biggest draw um of the UFC now I say all that like to kind of like echo the sentiments of Ariel uh Helwani which is the number one MMA journalist bar none um something that he said which uh hit close to home for me which was like all these journalists now like the like you know big 
media and big money is is like getting into the UFC business or the MMA business. And you have these, you know, like guys that normally do like color commentary for like NFL games and, and on Fox and ESPN and stuff like that, that they don't know dick about MMA. And by the way, I'm not saying that I do, but I've been a fan from way back when. And um, for them to like, it's kind of like disrespectful. And at the same time, it's like, dude, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about when they say like things like oh she just wasn't ready she shouldn't have come back and and stuff like that about like ronda rousey coming from like just like mouthpieces like that you know that are just like spouting uh talking points and like mispronouncing names of fighters and then saying you know calling her instead of ronda rousey calling her like misha tater you know what i mean just like complete like you're reading a script like you have no idea what you're talking about like leave this to like the professionals uh the professional journalists of it um, so first off, like anybody who's listening to this, like knock all those folks off, like your radar, your like intake of in- information regarding, regarding the situation and just don't get it, don't get it twisted. Like I, I just want to just point out how Rhonda could literally never fight again or fight, you know, 20 fights in a row from here for the next, you know, 20 years or whatever. 10 years and lose every single one and she still will be like a hall of famer because of what she did you know she was the first one like trailblazing this shit and to the levels that she did it let me put it in perspective a little bit because it's not i hear a lot of people say also like oh you know she wasn't she wasn't the best she was just first and she was first but she was the fucking best she was and could and could still be up there with a different game plan but i'll get to that in a bit let me read to you her record. She's first of all, she's twelve and two in the UFC. Like Amanda Nunes, uh, just to give a little context to to the twelve and two, uh, the current champion Amanda Nunes is fourteen and four. You have to look at how uh, Rousey became Rousey, why she was being called like the best ever and the Mike Tyson of of MMA, of women's MMA. She won her. For she won two fights in a row, her first two fights in Strike Force, which was a which is or was I don't think Strike Force is around anymore. I believe the UFC bought it up along with like a bunch of other like smaller organizations. But Strike Force is a smaller organization that the UFC bought, and it could be that in that the purchase of Strike Force that's when Ronda came over to the UFC. Um, but it could be that the UFC just created the division for Ronda and then just like farmed her out of Strike Force. Strike Force, you know, like all those little organizations, it's like um, they want to be in the UFC. So fighters, you know, once they do good in those organizations, they go into, you know, it's like the AAA of fucking MMA. In the MMA world, they go into the UFC. Um, so she wins two fights in a row. Then she, in her third fight in Strike Force, she fights and beats Misha Tate for the title. And then she defends the title in Strike Force. And then her next fight is for the title in the UFC, coming in as a Strike Force champion. She wins the title in the UFC, defends it. The second fight in the UFC against Misha Tate, which is her like arch nemesis, like they fought three times. And Misha Tate's the only one that, like, before her two losses, gave her any comp whatsoever. Then after that, she won one, two, three, four more fights in a row. So she won six fights straight in a row in the UFC. She won 
four fights before that in Strike Force, so she was 10, 10 and 0. And then she had the the epic uh, loss to Holly Holm, which I mentioned before uh, earlier. And then now in UFC 207, her loss to to Amanda Nunes. Something very necessary to highlight, though, is let me tell you guys how she won each and every one of these fights. And I'm going to read them off. Her first fight ever, around one submission. Second fight, around one submission. Third fight, around one submission. Fourth fight, a round one submission. None of these girls could get out of the first round with her. Fifth fight, around one submission. Sixth fight, around three submission. That's the one with Misha Tate that Misha Tate took her to the third round. And it was a scrappy fight. I remember that. Um, the next fight after that, round one KO. The next fight after that, another round one KO. The next fight after that, a round one submission. The next fight after that, a round one KO. Knockout. And then her two losses came. So don't get it twisted. Like Ronda Rousey is a Hall of Famer. Um, and much respect to her no matter what. And like financially, she's fine. She was the like one of the highest paid athletes in the UFC. Um, and she's worth, I think, like nine, ten million or something like that. She did a couple movies. Her acting sucks, by the way. But she did a couple movies, you know, she which was a large part of the criticism. Like she was doing too much stuff, like movies, commercials, and and all the demands, the the demands of uh, the UFC media and stuff like that, which played into what people were, I guess, saying was the reason for for her loss uh, against Holly Holm, the first one. Which you can't really say now, because uh, she did absolutely no fucking media for the last one, which I'm going to get to. Yeah, I just want to be clear on all that. So, much respect to Ronda Rousey. You were and are a great fighter, one of the, the greatest ever. And I always look forward to each and every one of your fights. So, since of course you listen to this podcast, thank you. Now... All the praise aside, here's the stuff that I don't like and um, just how I feel about uh, certain other things. <clears throat> After Ronda's loss with, well, first off, she she has like that kind of like shitty attitude that I mentioned before that turns a lot of people off, turns me off um, um, to some degree. And it's kind of like, I like respect her and and like as a fighter and stuff like that, but the sportsmanship is not there. It's it's kind of like um like Kobe Bryant this is my favorite basketball player, right? And everybody's like, oh, Kobe's a dick and he's an asshole and stuff like that. And they say similar things about about Ronda Rousey. And it's like, yeah, I don't I don't necessarily want to chill with a guy or fucking play on the same team as him. Like I'd kill myself if I played on the same team as a guy like that. But his passion, his dedication, his his will to put it all on the line, his leadership, that shit I admire. Like, that's the stuff that, that always, like, drew me to Kobe. Um, but all that other, like, being a dick and, and, and it's just always been, like, not necessary to me. Like, you can have, like, the good part without having the bad. Or maybe those in personal individuals can't. Like, maybe that's how they push themselves to like be great on on the other side you know 
to have that drive and stuff like that they have to be a dick to like kind of like offsetters i don't know maybe some weird psychological shit like that is going on and kobe said and 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 ronda's and people that that act that way but i just don't think it's it's necessary to yeah uh, it's not uh they're not mutually exclusive um but that's something that i, that I never liked about ronda that came out a lot in the build-up to this fight because um and this is one of the things that i really didn't like is that she did absolutely zero media like it's like mandatory in every ufc fighters contract um that they always have to do like media events and and do a a public workout you know the pre-fight press conference and the weigh-ins and answer a few questions and then the post fight you know like all that all that shit all them you know promote the fucking fight that's how they make they sell the pay-per-views that's how uh, they make money so much so that fighters like for example conor mcgregor who is unarguably inarguably whatever however you say it the biggest um athlete for the ufc conor mcgregor sold in i think it was either the past year or two years more pay-per-view sales than any other ufc card for the cards that he's been on have sold more pay-per-views than any other ufc um event for the year combined or some shit like that some like six stack uh stat that that you know he's by far like staunched like every other ufc athlete in terms of being a draw Hence him telling the UFC openly in a, in a post-fight press conference after his last victory that he wants, like, ownership stake in the company and stuff like that, which it's, like, kind of doesn't make sense because he gets a percentage of the pay-per-views that he's on. That's how the UFC fighters make a, a boatload of their money. For example, like, Ronda Rousey was paid $3 million for this fight, but she should probably make more than that or close to that um, just in the, her pay-per-view uh, bonus, like, percentage. Um, Amanda Nunes also... Which, which is weird. Amanda Nunes won, but she made like 200000 or some shit like that from the UFC. But, it's a, you know, people were watching for Ronda. Anyway. Um, or most people. Like the casual fans and shit. So, Ronda was the first fighter that had supposedly had some weird fucking clause in her contract. The one-time thing that she wrote into it beforehand. Saying that the only way she would come back and take this fight was if she didn't have to do any media obligations. So we literally saw zero out of Ronda, um, except for literally, I think, like 30 seconds at the weigh-in when she went and she weighed in. People like snap pictures, tried to ask her questions. She got, she went on stage and walked off. Um, the face-off also between her and Nunes, the first face-off, when they announced the actual fight was going to happen, she walked on stage, faced off, took a picture with Nunes, and walked off stage right after. And then... From, like, a, uh, I guess you call it like a business or management perspective, the company that bought the UFC, like the conglomerate, uh, WME, also manages Ronda Rousey. So people are saying that that's like kind of like favoritism type shit or like this weird gray area situation. That's why she got that. Um, but regardless of what it's like, you've been out of the game for 13 months. You have fans that love you, fans, you know, fans, anti-fans, whatever you want to call them, that hate you. You know, she's not like a limelight type of type of girl, which is understandable. But every other one of your peers has to go through through this, through, you know, it's part of it. It's part, you know, you've done it your entire career. So I didn't like that, that she kind of like got away with that or kind of like, I don't know, it, it like didn't sit well with me.
like it wasn't cool you know uh, like i'm a big believer in and doing what you got to do whether you know sometimes you get a shorter than the six sometimes you don't but do what you got to do um and that's that was part of it then on the flip side like all the all the attention all the like all the hype all the and you know largely rightfully so from a i guess like a marketing standpoint it made sense to like all the hype all the commercials all the posters all the like everything was heavy 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 ronda rousey like nobody knew it was like ronda rousey versus some other chick and rightfully so in the sense of people were nostalgic you know they wanted to see ronda again it's been over a year um and a lot of people were like you know was it a fluke was it a lucky kick was it when holly won was you know what i mean like that was like part of the conversation you know what has she been doing over the past 13 months and nobody's heard a pee from her and and besides like the ellen thing and maybe uh like on conan i think she she went on and stuff like that and and we barely you know she hasn't done like mma media too much and then all of a sudden she's back oh my god around the ronda so from a marketing standpoint they were like playing that shit up like crazy but they completely neglected the current champion which was amanda nunez and didn't tell like her story and which has like a very sellable if you from a marketing standpoint um a very sellable um life story like a story arc if you want to call it that um you know she's a openly lesbian uh, fighter and she's just a fucking like fighting wise she's a beast um she beat holly home oh something else to say there, there's there was like no stability within that division after ronda lost uh the title she defended the title she won the title then defended it uh she had the title for six fights so she won it then defended it five times before her loss that was a span of over two years almost three years and then when holly won then holly lost the very next fight to misha tate the misha tate lost the very next fight to amanda nunez and then amanda nunez just uh, defended it for the first time against ronda rousey so she's the only the only fighter in the history of the division to uh after ronda rousey to defend that title um so that's important to note so as you can see she's a talented fucking chick so like from amanda's point of view which you know this isn't this is not directly ronda's fault but indirectly based on her actions of not wanting to do media and shit like that is her fault um in the sense that amanda nunes gets shit on you know she doesn't like get no love that comes along with you know being the champion and promoting the fight and going around the world and and like all that good shit um because since ronda didn't have to do it she didn't have to do it and she she said herself in like um some interviews that she did that she didn't mind because you know that meant more time for training and and you know she's like shy anyway and and not into all the media stuff but that but like she has said you know but if i have to do it i have to do it and i would do it if the ufc asked me but that she said she knew that it was going to be like that and um that's pretty much it ronda by the way like physically looked fucking phenomenal better than she's ever looked which leads to my next point which is the coaching she has this coach called edmund tart tartivan or something like that which has a like a controversial um not history and coaching well i mean he's been a coach from the get right so 
she has like the sense of like loyalty like towards him but people um including like her mother which you know raised her and was a like a judo champion herself ronda was a judo well that's another thing she was like in the fucking olympics and won the bronze medal in in the olympics for judo like people are saying pretty much that he's a shitty coach like she got to where she's at you know on her like own strengths and he's kind of been like going along for the ride but he's not the coach like for her and people put a lot of pressure after the holly home loss for her to switch her camp but she never did and she stuck with the guy edmund tardivan and then after this fight it's like definitely if you want to go on you know you got to switch your coach because he's been he's kind of first of all he's like a weird kind of character I, I i read up on him a little bit he has like this checkered past with like two uh felony felonies for identity theft and and like he was like it's this xboxer but he like embellished this record and i don't know some like weird checkered like where there's smoke there's fire kind of like weird nonsense fuckery going on um which then it's like a question of her character her not character but her like why do you have this dude around you but long story short with him he's like touting himself as like this this um fucking uh like ill striking coach ill boxing coach but he's not and like amanda nunez is a legit striker like she could fight like on her hands right so for the holly fight holly home going one fight back i know i'm a little all over the place holly home for example is a decorated uh kickboxer like world class world titles and kickboxing leagues and shit like that and Ronda's known for, like you saw from all the the way that she won a, a lot of her fights that, that I read off, round one submission victories and a few KOs um, and TKOs, but uh, round one submission victories by far. Um, her armbar, that's like her go-to. That's like her shit. And she kind of like with the, the Holly um, – fight which i think began the fight before when she fat when she fought uh betch correa and she betch correa was like said to be like a striker and, and ronda rousey wanted to like beat her at her own game i think there's like a little bit of like ego involved in that she didn't want to um just do what she normally does which is you know take it to the ground and armbar her um she betch correa was supposed to be this this awesome striker and ronda rousey knocked her out and and won that way she kind of tried to do the same thing with holly home she stood up with holly home and you can't play that with holly home like petra was like a, a striker quote-unquote not quote-unquote but i mean she strikes but um she was more supposedly like she was just like strong stronger or supposed to be stronger or whatever but she's not like at a level of striking of like kickboxing like holly home and we saw that handle she got she got played with um and she she wasn't herself in that fight and she she abandoned what got her to the dance you know what i mean like she should have stuck to the game plan with holly home of what was working instead of like trying to like beat her at her own game but again who knows what's going on in her head in my opinion as a fan it just it didn't look like her it didn't look like the ronda that we were used to the the dominating ronda and you kind of see 
her trying to like beat Holly at her own game. Then, you know, she's been supposedly uh, Edmund Tardivan. Her her coach has been putting in her that she's like this phenomenal striker. She just has to, he has to like bring it out of her, et cetera, et cetera. And stick kind of strict, sticking to a striking game plan, which for Amanda Nunes against Amanda Nunes is like even worse than if she did it against Holly Holm. And, and then Amanda Nunes, uh, like uh, Misha Tate said, uh, hits harder than any other girl in the division. And it's is more powerful than any other girl in the division and could strike her balls off. And she has long-ass arms. And Ronda had no business buying into uh, whatever Edmund was, was telling her and her own ego and or anything. It's It's like if... All Ronda does for the rest of her life is strike. It doesn't do any more like judo or anything like that. She can't get to the level of striking that Amanda Nunes is at. As long as Amanda Nunes maintains um, her level, you know, continuing to to honor. Like, you can't close the gap, basically, is what I'm saying. And conversely, Amanda Nunes wouldn't be able to touch Rousey if Rousey stuck to, like, a judo, get her to the ground, um... Uh, armbar approach which is obviously easier said than none because you have to get through that barrage of punches to be able to do that but that should have been the the game plan the mentality the approach at least and you would have stood a chance but instead she kind of like tried standing with her got rocked as soon as she got rocked she got i think it was like a left jab and then a right cross and that's it after that first right cross it was done then she tried like some weak ass takedown attempt that Amanda Nunes just like brushed off and then just rocked her 48 seconds later she's done and um to her credit though she didn't get knocked down Herb Dean did an awesome stoppage but uh she showed a shitload of heart with that and then afterwards again she walks out of the fucking ring same way she did with Holly Holm you know she's probably devastated and fucked up and stuff like that she's not the type again to like speak with the media too much but that's where like that shitty sportsmanship bad loser um type of thing comes out which nobody's going to respect her for she if she would have gotten on the mic and just said you know i trained hard for this i'm sorry i didn't do any of the pre-media shit but i was trying to focus on this to see what i have to work on i have more shit to work on apparently and hats off to amanda she's a great fighter that's it everybody she would have won over fucking america then um Nunes gets on on the mic and this was kind of shitty but I understand where the frustration was coming from with her where she was saying she pretty much said you know I came here to put on a good show for you guys stuff like you know like that the usual type of shit and then she said that she's a champion she's the she's the new champion she's there to stay and forget about fucking Ronda Rousey already and that was coming from that like place of frustration you know what i mean like fuck all the attentions on this girl i just demolished her in 48 seconds and people were kind of like applauding her but booing her some people were booing her and you know and she was just like pissed off about it um but to amanda i would say like my advice would be or what i would not my advice because she's not listening to this but only rousey listens to the spun today podcast <laughs> but um what I would like to see from Amanda is is just keep fighting the way you fight, but don't take that that like nasty fucking type of approach again. It's not necessary. You get more with honey than with vinegar, uh, in my opinion, and especially in like this type of situation where 
uh, fans, Rousey isn't really giving fans much to gravitate towards. You know what I mean? Um, Rousey's uh, did break her silence recently uh, via social media. And she said, uh, she gave a, quote, a J.K. Rowling quote actually from Harry Potter, uh, which was, and I'm going to paraphrase it and butcher it at the same time. It was something to the effect of, and thus I hit rock. This is hitting rock bottom, but it's necessary in order to build a stronger foundation or something like that, which is cool if that's where her mind's at, you know, like getting better, dusting yourself off and trying again. And I didn't want to go long with the whole Ronda Rousey thing, and I really, really long. <laughs> so let's uh, quickly speak about the other two fights that was of importance, at least to me, which was Dominic Cruz, who I was uh, rooting for. He was one of my favorite fighters. And uh, him versus Cody Garbrand, Cody No Love, and Cody out Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz. Cody was more elusive. He was more he was more difficult to hit. Um Dominic Cruz got a gash on his head. Uh I believe in like the second or third round or something like that. And um Oh, real quick, real quick. In the round of fight, right at the end when um when the lioness, Amanda Nunes won, she walked around and she had her her hand like up to her lips, like sh- like shushing um Rhonda's you know she walked around the the whole ring like that but she was like shushing Rhonda's corner the reason why she was doing that was because the co- that coach Edmund was saying what a great boxing coach she was he he's gonna be and stuff like that or he is and how Rhonda was gonna like outstrike him outstrike her or some shit like that so she was she said she explained that she did that because she was like she um uh, this guy's putting in her head that that she's a, a boxer and she's not she should have you know, stuck to her game plan or whatever, and he's not a boxing coach, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, anyway, back to uh, Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz is is up until this point and still known as like one of the greatest ever, um, one of the greatest fighters. He has now only two losses. His record is is like impeccable. He had like four years layoff because he had like two knee surgeries. Um, and some other surgery, and he came back and looked even better than he did before, and uh, won the championship. And uh, this kid, Cody No Love, came out of no, not nowhere, but Cody's um, been on the tear. Um, and but he was like unranked; he wasn't even like in the top ten in the division, and he was fighting a uh, Dominic Cruz, and he looked phenomenal. He won probably four rounds out of the five. Uh, again, Dominic Cruz got like a gash over his forehead, um, over over his eyebrow, from I believe a headbutt, but it could have been, uh, you know, like strikes and shit like that. Obviously, you know, he he kind of like danced. There was a lot of animosity between the guys, so it was a fight that I was like looking forward to watching. He kind of like danced with the Dominic Cruz, like couldn't hit him, like he dodged a few of his of his punches and then did like the robot or some shit. And then he wound up doing like a like a push up like on in between I don't know like jabs and stuff like that. He was just unhittable, and he was accurate. He was poised. He was everything that everybody expected Dominic Cruz to be. 
um, in the fight, and um, he was just a better fighter. And Dominic Cruz lost the belt to him. Um, and just to show the like sportsmanship, like there was a lot of animosity between these guys. Like they talked a lot of shit um, to each other. Had some looked staged, but had some like behind the scenes like scuffles and the teams you know talking shit to each other when they used to pass each other while doing interviews and stuff like that and cody just looked like a complete hothead and and dominic was like poised the entire time and then in the ring it was like the exact opposite now after the fight uh dominic did the like he lost with class with with grace and uh, he did. He took on the post-fight press conference, answered each and every one of the questions, said that he he gives respect to Cody, answered questions regarding his game plan, stuff like that. Didn't make any excuses. Said that he went in with the right game plan. Cody was just better, and and that he's definitely not out. He's still in the mix, and if he doesn't get the the rematch right away, he understands because uh, T.J. Dillashaw. He's uh, due up for for a rematch, and you know he was pretty much going to be the rematch with Dominic Cruz. T.J. Dillashaw is the guy that Dominic Cruz beat for the title when he came back after the, the like four year layoff, and it was like assumed that Dominic Cruz was going to win and then uh, fight T.J. Dillashaw again, which also fought in this card, which is the fight that I'm going to speak about next. But you know he was he just like took it like a champ, like he's a true champion, um, and that's like the type of of like that's what you want that's what i want from a fucking champion you know even conor mcgregor talks the most shit out of everybody in the hands down um and he even in his post-fight press conferences when he lost in ATS, he he stayed in the ring he took the mic you know he didn't walk out of the ring he took um the mic answered quite answered uh rogan's questions did the post-fight pe- press conference gave all, all respect to to nate you know shook his hand bowed to him you know the whole nine um even dudes like that and it's like that's that's a big part of it that's that's what makes you in my opinion from the that distinguishes you between a great fighter and a great champion and dominic cruz with or without the belt in my opinion is a great champion um the next fight which will round off my ufc talk is TJ Dillashaw versus uh, Lineker and TJ Dillashaw looked amazing. Uh fucking amazing. TJ Dillashaw lost a controversial lost his belt after winning the belt from a guy who had it for like 10 years in the division. No, I'm lying. He had it for a long time, for years, but who hadn't lost in 10 years or some shit like that. But he had the belt after Dominic Cruz left her. And they made him, like, vacate the belt because Dominic Cruz had the belt before he left. Then uh, Henry Burrell had it. I don't know if somebody had it in between, but Henry Burrell had it. And TJ Dillashaw beat it from, uh, beat him, like, handily twice um, in the first fight and the rematch. And then when Dominic Cruz came back, Dillashaw lost the belt in a very controversial um, decision. And since then, he's been itching to get get a, a rematch. He hasn't gotten it. And now Cody won the belt in a, in a surprise upset. And Cody and TJ uh, Dillashaw are now, like, they have to be fighting next. Because TJ Dillashaw looked amazing against Lineker. 
um, who most people were like, yo, he better not be like looking past Lineker because Lineker could knock him the fuck out and it's going to be a tough fight for him, et cetera, et cetera. He like dogged him like easily beat him. And there's a pretty cool storyline too between uh, Dillashaw and Cody because they were both members of Team Alpha Male. And TJ Dillashaw was, um, uh, they controversially left like that camp to go with uh, Dwayne um, Bang Ludwig, uh, which is his, his, I guess like his head coach, but he's like a striking coach under Dwayne's tutelage um, is that TJ became TJ and, you know, won the, the belt, et cetera. And there's always been like friction between like that, um, between TJ and like Uriah Faber, which is the head of team alpha male and Cody is still in team alpha male and there's like friction there. You know what I mean? So the UFC could definitely mark it and play up the, that storyline for, for that fight. And I would definitely look forward to checking that out. God damn. I said, I was going to try to make that fucking UFC talk short and I went very long, <laughs> longer than I even thought I would. So let's try to get through the rest of the stuff, folks. Well, I finally finished Mr. Robot season two and I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Um, there's actually, I wrote down because I finished it, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. I just haven't, you know, the last episode that I released, it was like pre-recorded from the Mexico trip. If you guys haven't uh, checked that out, please go back and check it out. It's a episode that I recorded a few different excerpts while I was uh, on my honeymoon in, in Mexico. I finished watching, so I watched it within like the past month. I finished watching uh, Mr. Robot and just hadn't had a chance to speak to you guys about it. Anyway, I thought it was really dope. And I wrote down an excerpt that I wanted to play for you guys, but I completely forgot what the fuck was in that excerpt. And I'm not going to look for it and connect it and upload it and whatever tonight, but I will drop it in. And when I do, I'll drop it in right here. Control can sometimes be an illusion. But sometimes you need illusion to gain control. This is an easy way to give meaning to the world. To cloak our harsh reality in escapist comfort. After all, isn't that why we surround ourselves with so many screens? So we can avoid seeing. So we can avoid each other. I don't think I'm ready to talk about it just yet. So we can avoid truth. I'm sorry for not telling you everything. But I needed this in order to get better. Please don't be mad too long. This will be the last time I keep things from you. I promise.
thinking. And no, I didn't lie to you. See you in the morning. All of this really happened. This was just my way of coping with it. But now, I'd like it if we could trust each other again. Let's shake on it. That's it. I hope you guys liked it. I, again, <laughs> don't remember what it was. And I'm sure it was something that, at the time, like resonated with me and I thought might resonate with you fine folks. Anyway, though, Mr. Robot's a dope show. It's two seasons in, if I'm not mistaken. And I've seen both, and I was really happy with it. I really enjoyed it. I think the writing in it by uh, Sam Esmile is great. Really great. Now I'm going to try to move along a little quicker here. Snowden, the movie. i seen the documentary, and I told you guys about that in a, a past episode, I'm sure. But Snowden, the movie, which uh, came out in 2015, if I'm not mistaken, starring my man Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who did an awesome job, like really good job in that movie depicting Snowden. Because I've seen the documentary, and then I saw the movie. And the movie's cool because it's less less not techie but less documentary-ish you know what i mean like they they fluff it up a little bit and make it more digestible that's what i was looking for and they play up like the the love story which is interesting to see um and how that played a role in his his or how that not played a role in his decision making but how how we're all it adds color to his life story, you know, because you kind of see Snowden, especially if you just look at the documentary and then his interviews and like stuff like that, which I've seen a bunch of online. Um, you kind of see him as like this NSA robot kind of guy that just fucking does things like this because it's like this and it's like that because it's like that. And it's supposed to be like that, you know, but you kind of see him like in a different light, in a different context when you factor in like his family and his girlfriend and and his it it shows like his story like coming up and how he got the job at the nsa and and stuff like that it was it was really really well done i enjoyed it i think it gives another um again it's a movie take everything with a grain of salt obviously but it gives another another lend another flavors the story a little bit uh the whole snowden story and i enjoyed it it was like, a good movie in and of itself and Josh Gordon-Levitt, I think, did an awesome job. Like, I thought I was watching Snowden, again, like, in the documentary while I was watching um, Josh Gordon-Levitt, who I think is a dope actor and who has that site that I've met, I've mentioned to you guys in the past called record.com or .org, I don't remember, uh, but it's, um, no, hitrecord.com. And you can put, like, I have my, like, short stories on there and people can, like, borrow from your stories and um people like put their own like self-made movies and videos and like different things and it's like a little online community production company type of thing where you can share and and collaborate on ideas and actually like make something and if anything ever does get picked up everybody gets a um a share of the profits etc cetera, etc cetera, like that type of thing um it's a cool concept Next was the movie Kramer vs. Kramer. This is an old school movie from 1979. And I have heard about it before. I had heard about it before. But I was going through my Instagram, at Spun Today, 
for anybody that wants to follow me there. And I came across uh, Dominic L- uh, Lombardozo's um, Instagram. Dominic Lombardozo is an actor. He was the bald white cop from The Wire, um, who was also in Entourage. And he was, he's actually also in this new show called Sneaky Pete. That's an Amazon original with John, um, Giovanni uh, Rabisi, one of my uh, favorite actors also. Actually, I have a lot of fucking favorite actors. Um, and uh, my man Walter White, Brian Cranston. It's a new uh, Amazon original series or whatever. And which I saw the pilot episode of. I don't think like the full season is out yet. I think it comes out like next week or something like that. Um, he's in that also. And anyway, I came across his his uh he's been on Turtle's podcast from Entourage. Turtle, aka Jerry Ferrara. Um, they're like boys or something, and he seemed like a cool dude. I decided to follow him, and he put up um a scene from Kramer versus Kramer. Which is, spoiler alert, if you guys haven't seen this since 1979, too bad. I hadn't until a few days ago. So, um, whatchamacallit, he puts, up, he puts up a scene that, like, got me. Because I, I always, like, stuff that gets me is, like, uh, like father-son uh, type things have always, like, struck an accord uh, in me. And then in this scene, it's a scene where Dustin Hoffman and the kid in the movie, his son... They, they're not speaking, they're not saying anything, but just like with their eyes and the smile and making the breakfast together, and like, you know, it's like a powerful scene, and I was like, fuck, I gotta see this movie, and um, I did, and it was a super powerful scene, just like that, like, interaction there, and it was, it was pretty dope, it's a, it's a really good movie, uh, like my wife says, it's like a simple movie, like, it's simple, but like, really good, like really well made, really well done, really it's like a, a classic. An absolute classic. And Dustin Dustin Hoffman's great in it. And um Meryl Streep, Miss Anti Trump herself, <laughs> is in it and they do awesome jobs. Um and the story is pretty much about I mean Kramer versus Kramer. You can take it in like the on on the nose kind of like the title in itself i'm referring to you can take it as the fact that it's the husband and wife getting divorced and that's part of the movie so it's kramer versus kramer but i kind of took it more so as kramer versus kramer as in him versus himself um because he had to rise to the occasion to become like a a good loving uh father because he was in the beginning of the movie he is the type of person um, or father that's like the breadwinner, you know, I'm putting food on the table type of thing, workaholic kind of guy, doesn't really pay too much attention to his family, you know, the wife is taking care of the kid, the wife's good, we have money, we have food, and, you know, kind of doesn't put that time and dedication into the the relationship with his wife that is essential for it to... Um, piece is sustainable and you know the same with this kid etc um then the wife decides to leave him she does in doing so she also leaves the kid with him um because she's like trying to find herself and all types of shit and it's like 
you kind of see her as like this evil, you know, what kind of woman would leave her, her like five-year-old kid behind and just up and leave like that. And then he has to, you know, learn how to like cook and take the kids to school and figure out his schedule. And like, he drops them off at school and he's like, uh, what grade are you in? And then he just tells some lady, um, like the principal or something that comes out or a teacher is saying here, this is, uh, Billy Kramer and he's in first grade. Please help him find this class. And then he goes, he runs to like a cab cause he's late for work. And he's like that type of dad in the beginning. And then towards the end, he's like, fuck work and going to his school to his kids, uh, school play and stuff like that. And then, uh, the wife comes back into the, the ex-wife comes back into the picture. And then there's a whole like divorce, trial and you kind of see from her standpoint why she did what she did and she was like for years like just miserable like she wanted to do to pursue things herself aside from just being a housewife and she uh, and a mother and she felt that because of that she wasn't being a good mother and she didn't take the kid with her because of that because she didn't think that she was good enough for the kid and you kind of sort of see like her point of view of the whole thing. And then it's this whole, it's, it's a dope movie. Definitely, definitely check it out. I recommend it. I always say I recommend it. Have I ever told you guys like anything that's like, I don't recommend, like, don't watch this. I don't think so. Right. I don't think shit like that makes the podcast. The next thing. All right. So I saw three things on Netflix. Uh, well, four things with the Gaffigan special that I told you guys about earlier the start of the show uh, another uh stand-up special would be colin quinn a new york story which is super cool uh a really cool show it's like kind of like i wouldn't say stand-up but i mean it was funny as shit colin quinn's funny but it was more like a one-man show type of thing uh jerry seinfeld directed it and um it was cool he told like the history of new york like through different immigrants like he speaks about like when the Irish came and then the Italians and then he, he like he does like their accents and like how they mix together and like different stereotypes of each ethnicity. And then the Puerto Ricans and how the Puerto Ricans were always like outside in the in the like on the stoop in the building that they were that they lived in, you know the old the old lady was on the second floor looking out the window and the boombox was on the first floor half in and half out and there were chairs outside and people dancing and little kids and, and grandmothers and stuff like that and then the 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 jews coming and like just like the whole history of new york from like fucking pilgrim times to to like now basically and it, he, he did a really cool job i enjoyed it it was fun you get a little taste of like history through his his lens um of new york and it was pretty cool and i learned something new which i looked up after that the first settler in the definitely new york i don't know if it was the united states but the first immigrant the first person to settle in new york before it was even new york was a dominican so my dominican stand up and his name was juan rodriguez 
And um, what else? What else? Evolution of Hip Hop. That was really cool. I definitely recommend it. It's like a a four p. I guess it's gonna be like a part of a longer series, but the first season is four episodes, about an hour each um, episode, and it's of the evolution of hip hop. Now, if you are anything like me, or like around my generation, or or maybe not even my generation, but just don't know um, about the history of hip hop it was it was cool to to i learned a lot watching it um hip hop is definitely my preferred genre of music it's what i i grew up on but my generation is like the you know like eminem nas jay-z um mob deep and then you like you always hear uh, you know big ponds you hear, like, the, I know who LL Cool J was, obviously, LL Cool J, um, but you hear, like, around, like, the tail, LL Cool J was, like, the tail end of it, kind of, kind of, well, not not even really, but beyond LL Cool J and, like, the NWA and the Dr. Dre's and Snoop and you hear, you hear or I've heard, like, Melly Mel and Grandmaster Flash and and um i know who run dmc is but didn't you know exactly know their story and who else africa bambada and and just names that you hear rakim that are like the pioneers that like jay-z and and nas like always reference you know what i mean like they're the ogs to me and then they're always referencing these other dudes and it's like i know they obviously they're paying homage to them for a reason but i didn't really know their story the evolution of hip hop gets into all that shit, and um, it was really dope. And it does everything from its inception, like it literally takes a step back behind, uh, before hip hop, pre hip hop, like disco was the shit, and that's what people were into. And um, then it shows how, through guys like Grandmaster Flash that were just like trying different things and and DJing. Hip hop was like DJing primarily, and then like vocals got introduced to it. But it was like DJing, Cool Herc, along with Grandmaster Flash around the same time period were were fucking around with beats and breaks, the breaks on beats, and like mixing them together to try to make it continuous and devising, you know, connecting two turntables together and trying to make it like loop and play back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like the same break on a beat um to make this cool new sound that they were fucking around with and uh, it just shows like that whole evolution how everything came together how ice t's 6 a.m six in the morning uh song uh, was influenced by some dude who made a very similar song with similar cadence in uh pennsylvania and then if it wasn't for that 6 a.m song nwa wouldn't have been the nwa that we know etc etc so it, it makes all those connections for you it's pretty dope it's called the evolution of hip-hop and i recommend it i'm definitely looking forward for them to do uh, like another season of that it would be cool to see the evolution of other shit too like other genres like stuff that i'm not into um or stuff that i'm into but definitely don't know like any of its history um the last thing this documentary called rats on fucking netflix 
And if you want to, like, shit yourself but be intrigued at the same time, like, you know, you can't look away, but you want to stop watching type of thing, check out this motherfucking documentary. First of all, I live in New York, right? I'm from Queens. I live in New York City. And New York City is thought to have more, more rats than humans. We have, like, 7 million people, I think, is the population. So... Th- Supposedly we have more rats. I don't know who comes up with those numbers or what, but just like the thought of, let's say the person's off by like half, like 50% wrong. There's like 3 million rats just like running around. It's like 3 million? That's fucking a lot, man. Ugh. Um, They're fucking scary. They're smart. They they evolve. They, they for example, um, this exterminator that was like, being interviewed throughout the whole thing explained how if you set a trap for a rat let's say you have rats in your crib or your business or whatever and you set a trap for for a rat or you put po- or you put poison out for a rat the like bigger rats will tell like the smaller rats like they communicate through pherom- pheromones and shit they like tell the other rat like yo like the little like the weaker rats um, like he'll go taste the the poison, and then they'll watch him and see what happens to him. If he dies, then they'll like piss on it or or something on the poison to let all the other rats know, like, yo, don't eat this. This is poison. They do gangster shit like that. They do the same thing like with traps. If a, a rat gets trapped, um, in a trap or on a sticky thing or whatever, they let the others know, like of it, like the same way, like pissing on shit and and through their pheromones they communicate and they. They're fucking smart as fuck. And they know where, like, garbage is. And they make these, like, tunnels. And they... Some, something that I didn't know... They always wondered, like, how it worked. Is that... Like, how they could, like, squeeze into, like, little places and shit. Their bodies, like, stretch out mad long if they needed to. All they have to do is, like, be able to pop their head through a, a hole. And even though their bodies are, like, fat and plump... Like, it just stretches out, and they could, like, squeeze through anything. As long as their head fits, like, they fit. The rest of their body fits, which is freaky. Now, one of the most interesting things that this this documentary depicted to me is that you see it's kind of like, this probably might not make too much sense, but it's kind of, you kind of like time travel when you look at how different places in the world deal with rat problems and like rodent infestation so it shows like stuff here in the city or new york or in the states or whatever where there are like schools for learning rat behavior and and agencies city agencies where people have to go and and get certified and you know noticing you know having to learn how to spot rats and then they walk them through the city and like show you know take them on like field runs and stuff like that and how to put out poison and the proper dosage based on the whole size of the holes and etc etc like that type of stuff then you have like some next level scientific shit going on where people have picture like this like sterilized white room with like hundreds of draws full of like a, a morgue for rats where they freeze the rats and they 
they have them there to like study their like genealogy and how they are uh, their bodies are becoming immune to certain poisons and how they're evolving over time and they have rats from like the 1930s or something like that and they have them all documented and they know that these are like filthy you know animals so they study the the tapeworms that they get and the 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 viruses that that they get um to looking for diseases that are that could be transferred to humans because you know like let's say if your dog has a stomach virus or something you don't get that stomach virus you know because like dogs systems are different or whatever there are certain things that rats could carry like germs and and viruses and stuff that humans could contract um and they study like that type of stuff and like they open them up and they put them in in vials and they pull out the tapeworms and it shows like all this shit in the documentary um so it shows like that level of how we're dealing with that with that issue right then you go to some place like i think it was like in england or or maybe ireland or something like that where they had like a, a like half a dozen boston terriers like these little dogs and then they take them out to the field um because they have like a rat problem there and then they take these these like smokers um I don't know how to explain them. They're like long sticks with, I don't know, like fire on them. And then they put the fire out and then smoke. You know, it smokes. Um, they put the poke the stick into the holes where the rats are. And then it, it like smokes them out basically. And then the, the terriers like go crazy chasing them and, and fucking bite them and kill them. And they kill like dozens and dozens and dozens of rats like by that, by doing that practice. And it's like a little more barbaric kind of because you know it's like fucking dogs like chasing and like fighting each other and like ripping the rat in half and you hear the rat screaming and um it's kind of sick like that and then like they deal with it that way then you go to a place like india where their like rat squad like their level of dealing with with um oh by the way like in the in the states or whatever where they they capture like a shitload of rats and stuff like that. They like put them in bags and they inject them. No, they, how did they kill them? I think they smoked them to like knock them out and then they inject them with some, with, uh, they start the euthanizing process. They fucking give them the lethal injection basically and kill them humanely and like some weird shit like that. Um, then in India, their, their like rat squad is literally a group of, uh, of like four or five guys that walk around with sticks and nets and like long wooden sticks and if they see a rat they fucking hit it and try to kill it and catch it in the net they catch it in the net and um um it shows them you know if they can't uh, hit it with the stick like there's one dude that like grabs it and like cracks its neck like twists the rat's neck and like breaks its neck and kills it that way just like with his bare hands type shit and then they so they do this all night that's their you know that's their job that's their nine to five or whatever but at night obviously so not nine to five um but you know what i mean that's like their gig you know that's how they get paid then they go back to their headquarters or whatever they turn in the the rats and they get paid like per head so you know 
10 rupees per rat or like some shit like that whatever it is and that's how that's their job like that's how they're, they're dealing with their problem there when you think about things like the disease like i just mentioned that rats like carry like all these viruses and diseases and stuff like that um and you know mix that with with how you know how humans could contract certain of the diseases that they carry it's kind of like scary to think and see we're not scary but i don't know it's it's like weird to see how we're dealing with it here and then in india they're like grabbing them like with their bare hands and cracking their necks you know what i mean and you know these they could potentially contract like shit by doing stuff like that and something that i thought of just from like being in india india is like a culture that doesn't really use like forks and knives and stuff like that like it's part of the culture to like eat with their hands um and i don't know it's just like a weird difference there they also had they showed in india uh some like temple where like rats would go and people would go to like worship the rats um because they felt that they were they believed in reincarnation and the rats were their old family members that reincarnated and you see the guys like mad rats like all over him and drinking milk and he drinks the milk out of the same bowl as the rats and and the rats are like crawling up his shoulder and they're like like his pets um and there's like mad people that they go in there and they believe the same thing that these are their relatives that reincarnated um imagine if that was true how sick would that be like that's why there's so many fucking rats because you know there's so many generations before us um then go to a place like I think it was like Cambodia or or Vietnam or something where I don't even know where Cambodia is. I don't know if Cambodia is in Vietnam or if it's its own country or or what. But it was one of those places and there it's like a delicacy. Like they eat the fucking rats. Like they like I was telling my wife I was like how like a Dominican would be like, yo, vamos a, a comer un poco asado or, or fucking chivo or something like that. Like, they're like, yo, let's go, vamos, let's go out and eat fucking rat. You know, like that was like a thing. Like this guy goes into the field and gets a fucking boatload of rats and then they sells it to a restaurant. And then in the restaurant, they put the, they have a sack full of rats, which are alive. And they put them in a bucket of water and they drown them. They die like that. Then the lady pulls them out one by one from the bucket, chops off their their feet, their heads, their tails, and then she skins them. And then she los asona with fucking salt, pepper, you know, their whatever spices that they use and shit. And then um, they cook them and then they serve them and people eat them. Rats. Fucking rats. It's an interesting documentary, guys. Check it out. And that is the motherfucking episode. God damn, it was kind of long. Kind of, I didn't want to go that long in the fucking, the whole like UFC thing. It was like a UFC top heavy at the beginning of the show, but whatever. It is what it is. Thanks for listening, folks, for the first show of 2017. I hope you guys continue to stick with me and check out the Spun Today podcast for this and all future episodes. 
if you want to stick around for the next couple of minutes i'm gonna try to go through the outro stuff the house cleaning housekeeping stuff quickly and um if you want to stick around please do so you can see how you can support the podcast in different ways but if you don't want to then that's fine understood and um, just check out the next episode as it comes out in a couple weeks every other week every other thursday if you're a first-time listener every other thursday these shows come out all right so different ways you can support the podcast i have a weekly newsletter that i send out every monday it's called the midday monday boost letter in this newsletter it's which is completely free there is there's value to this newsletter in my opinion it's a newsletter that i would sign up to myself that's why i started it created it um and has five things uh that interest me so if you're interested in these five things or maybe one or two of the things maybe you want to sign up for it if you do uh subscribe to the newsletter you'll get the very next one and if after a week or two you don't like it and you just click on subscribe and it'll take you right off and then you won't get any more um it's just one email per week on mondays at noon hence the name midday monday boost letter to give your ass a little boost while you're needing it and in this uh newsletter i have five things like i said which is a photo of the day that i feature from a photographer from usually instagram or just like a dope uh, picture online that i've found i also feature a podcast of the week because i listen to a lot of different podcasts and i share ones that i think you guys would find interesting that i definitely found interesting and that resonated with me um a video of the week same thing with that um it's usually like a, a youtube video either a, a rap battle or a ted talk or or a cool interview that I, that I saw that I thought you guys might like. Um, a quote of the week, usually something motivational or deep, quote unquote, or or just something that resonated with me. And a word of the week, uh, just um, something to step up your vocab. So check it out. It's called the Midday Monday Boost Letter, and you guys can check it out at spuntoday.com. That's S P U N today.com forward slash subscribe if you want to be on the spun today podcast hit me up you can reach me through my contact page at spun today.com forward slash contact or just email me at spun today at gmail.com if you're creative of any type especially a writer i would definitely love to speak to you we could set something up via skype or something like that um also if you want to be on the podcast but not physically have a questionnaire that you can fill out at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire it's five open-ended questions regarding like creativity and writing and like your craft if it's something else that you're into like painting or or singing or or knitting or whatever it is that you're into um feel free to check it out you can choose to remain anonymous if you want to and if not then i'll definitely give you a shout out on the podcast um and i would appreciate you guys checking that out spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire i like taking pictures of stuff and i have a photography section on my website at spuntoday.com forward slash photography check that out feel free to download any of the pictures that you like on there for free and if you want to uh, purchase prints of any of that photography you can do so by going to created c-r-a-t-e-d.com 
forward slash spun today and order prints posters or canvases of any of my photography that you may have enjoyed this podcast is also brought to you in part by amazon Amazon amazon.com if you shop on amazon you can hook up the podcast and help the podcast by continuing to shop on amazon but before you do go to amazon.com go to spuntoday.com and click on the affiliate links page and there you will find an amazon banner just click on the amazon banner and it'll take you straight to amazon's website where you will do your shopping like you normally do and amazon will give me credit for any of your purchases just for driving traffic towards their website and it does not cost you anything extra whatsoever and it would be greatly appreciated you can do the same with the itunes banner that's there check out the little uh, tutorial video tutorial video that's there for patreon which explains what patreon is if you guys want to support the podcast on a per episode basis you can do so by donating as little as one dollar per episode which for me and my schedule would be like two dollars per month Uh, which by the way you can cancel at any time if you just want to donate once or whatever um check out that little tutorial video it it explains to you what the process is and how it works basically you sign up to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash spun today and pledge a certain amount that you want to donate to the podcast which again would be greatly appreciated what i would appreciate most of all is if you guys would check out my book which is titled make way for you tips for getting out of your own way and for those of you that do not want to purchase the ebook or can't for whatever reason um or the paperback which is also available at sponsor.com forward slash books it's available on amazon um the ebook is available on any of your ebook readers whether it's kindle or or uh, ibooks or kobo or wherever it is that you get your ebooks i'm sure you can find it but like i was saying if you can't purchase the physical copy or the ebook copy for whatever reason just visit my page at spuntray.com forward slash books and drop in your name and email address at the bottom of that page and i will shoot you over a free copy of the book free digital copy of the book so check that out and i would appreciate it if you guys go decide to go that route um or any route to read the book let me know what you think uh, you can hit me up privately at uh at gmail.com or just rate and review the book and let me know how you feel about it that way you can rate and review it on amazon or on goodreads speaking of rating and reviewing you know what you guys should rate and review this motherfucking podcast and i would really appreciate it uh rate and review the podcast on itunes on stitcher on google play on iHeartRadio, on TuneIn, on all the other pocket casts all the other podcatchers wherever it is that you're listening to this right now just look for wherever the wherever you rate it you know it'll probably take you like Two minutes tops like literally two minutes to figure out where it is that you rate the podcast is it on the top right on the top left do you click on these three dots oh there it is there are the stars 
touch the stars and um rate it i would appreciate it it helps the podcast um get more exposure more people uh, check it out because of it etc and uh spread the word that aside what else what else what else i think we're almost at the end folks well the housekeeping stuff social media follow me on twitter at spun today my instagram like i told you guys before is at spun today facebook.com forward slash spun today is the facebook fan page subscribe to my youtube channel uh, just search for spun today in youtube oh you know what i'm doing by the way i, I just tried it. i figured out how to do it recently um i thought it was going to be more work than what it was so i think i'm going to continue doing it with uh, subsequent episodes but i took one of my previous episodes which are all on youtube um and they're like in you know long podcast uh form you know just like you're listening to this podcast whether you, you listen on itunes or stitcher or wherever it is that you listen to you can listen to it the exact same way on youtube um but what i'm doing is i'm still leaving those i'm still gonna leave the episodes like in its totality on youtube but i'm also splitting them up into segments um a lot of other people do that uh, most shows or like podcasts do that actually and uh, youtube actually encourages you to do that um to split up your show into different segments um more digestible like pieces and you get more hits that way quote unquote or whatever but in an attempt to gain more exposure for the for the show i attempted to do that i thought it was going to be like too much work and i was just like whatever people want to listen they want to listen if they don't they don't um but i'm going to try to continue doing that with subsequent episodes um starting with probably this one and just split it up into segments so it'll be like the 20 minute clip of talking about ufc stuff then the you know you can listen to a video of or the audio of you know the three minute clip talking about the evolution of hip-hop etc um like stuff like that so check that out if you guys are interested subscribe to my youtube channel and i would appreciate it i appreciate you guys joining with me here in 2017 and hope you guys stick around for the rest of the year let's make this one better than the last and the next one better than this one with that said substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams thanks for listening (laughs) 